Good morning. I need everybody to stand up for a moment. Can you stand up? If you can, I would like everyone to take a very deep breath and hold it for just a moment. Take a deep breath. Got it. Are you holding it? Hold it. Okay. Let it go. Exhale. Okay. You can sit down. We are going to be studying prayer today, and prayer is a lot like breathing. Or maybe we could say breathing is a lot like prayer. Did you you notice, and maybe you, you have noticed this, but it takes absolutely no effort to exhale. It takes absolutely no effort to exhale. Uh, The natural forces, atmospheric pressure, it wants you, I mean, the the way we hold our breath normally is we exercise our chest muscles and and we hold it in. Now, if we didn't have chest muscles, we would actually have to hold our mouth closed and plug our nose. And if we didn't, the natural atmospheric pressure would just bear down on you and it exhales the air that's in you, much like this beach ball. This beach ball started a little bit bigger, but at the beginning of service, I took the cap off and right now this balloon is exhaling naturally because of the atmospheric pressure that's bearing down on it. And that's why prayer is a lot like breathing. As you breathe, you had pressure. And as, as we go through our life, if we are not in prayer, the pressure of this world will squeeze every bit of the presence of God out of you. Uh, it takes no effort to exhale. The effort in breathing is inhaling Uh, filling your lungs with air. And breathing is very rhythmic. Uh, You inhale by effort, and then you just let her go, and you exhale. Your breathing is also automatic. You don't have to tell your body to breathe. It just does it. You take in a breath, you relax, and you exhale. And prayer's a lot like that. It takes effort to inhale the sweet presence of the Lord. And naturally, the world wants to squeeze you. It wants to bear down on you with pressure so that you exhale, really, that communion with the Lord. I breathe in sweet communion, and then the world just crushes down on me. And then I breathe in that sweet communion, and then it bears down on me. And prayer, then, is to be very rhythmic. It is supposed to be constant. According to the New Testament, we are to pray without ceasing. And you think, how in the world does a person pray without ceasing? It's, it's this very concept of this, this rhythmic breathing, of breathing in the sweet presence of the Lord, and then the world just bears down on you with pressure. You know what kind of pressure I'm talking about. Pressure from worry and from fear and from anxiety, for, from trials and tribulations and problems. Sometimes they're marriage problems. Sometimes they're financial problems. Sometimes it's, it's co-worker problems. Sometimes it's problems just within your heart. And as you have that pressure bow, bear down on you, boy, if we don't take that sweet breath of prayer... We're going to be somewhat like this beach ball that just constantly is deflating. Because you can't hold your breath indefinitely. And a Christian can't hold on to the presence of God indefinitely. 
it has to come in this rhythm of breathing in that sweet presence and then breathing out and then breathing back in. Because you just can't grasp God in, in, a, in, a, in a snapshot or Instagram or a tweet and think that you've got him. The world's dynamic. It moves on. It continues to flow. The pressures of this world will push out the presence of God. That's why we breathe in, and then we breathe out. And we breathe in, and we breathe out. Making an effort to pray, or, or even finding time to pray, sometimes is a battle. It just is. And that's why our text for today is going to come out of a very famous text. It's the armor of God. It's the very tail end of the armor of God. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look just at this one verse that's found at the very end of the armor of God. It's verse 18, but in this verse there are four alls, all, alls about prayers. Coming down to verse 18, Chapter 6 of Ephesians, it says this, and I'm right reading out of the ESV. Your version will be just slightly different if you're a New American or NIV. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Do you see the four alls? There are four alls in this text that really are going to help us understand what it means to actually pray without ceasing, to breathe in the presence of God, and and then to exhale, and then to get another breath, and just keep marching down the road. Here's the very first fill in the blank. Always pray in the Spirit. If you go back to the text, it says, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, just as a side note, this is not referring to speaking in tongues. It is not about binding or loosening Satan or demons. I know that's become very popular, but that's not biblical. There are two times in Scripture that Jesus, he tells Peter, he says, to you I give you the kings, the keys of the kingdom. And you have authority to bind on earth and loose on heaven. And he was speaking only to Peter. And if you know history, Peter is the one that preached on Pentecost and opened the kingdom to the Jews. He's the one that preached at Samaria and opened the kingdom to the the Samaritans, half Jew, half Gentile. And he is the one that spoke to Cornelius and opened that key and opened the church to the Gentiles. He used his keys, and, and so that's, that's one of the times. And then there's another times. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 18. Because this is important. You do not want to go toe-to-toe with Satan or his demons. As it's been said before, you can't get your own kids to obey you. Why do you think you can get Satan to obey you? Seriously. And, and that's why you don't have that kind of authority. Jesus does. And that's why even Paul, who had a thorn in his flesh from Satan, prayed to the Lord. Now, there are times when there are people that are demonically possessed. And Paul said, 
In the name of Jesus, I command you. But if you think that you have the power to bind Satan and loose him and his minions, you have an elevated view of yourself. And you're going to get yourself in trouble. I've only had a few encounters with demons. And I don't want to ever do it again. I don't want to ever have that experience again. And I want Jesus to be between me and and, and a demon. Are you with me on this? So don't go around thinking that to pray in the Spirit means to talk in tongues or to say that I'm going to bind and loosen things. Whoa, you've stepped out of your biblical authority. You let Jesus do that. Scripture that in Ephesians says you just stand firm. You start praising Jesus and Satan will leave you alone. He hates to hear Jesus praised. And that's the, that's the one thing that I have found to be effective. When you are being tortured or tormented or, or you're just being attacked spiritually, you start praising the name of Jesus and suddenly there's going to be a presence in that room that is on your side, that's defending you and lifting you up, and that presence will leave you. We're going to Matthew, Matthew, Matthew 18, just so we get this clear. Beginning at verse 15, notice the context. It's church discipline. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What's the context of binding and loosening? church discipline, that if the church says this person's in sin and we're going to ask you to be outside of the church, God said he's going to honor it. That's binding and loosening. And so just just be careful. But we come back to the text. It does say praying at all times in the Spirit. So what does that mean to pray in the Spirit? I have a slide for you. It just says this, praying at all times is to live your life with a constant awareness of God. Everything you think, everything you do, everything you see becomes a prayer because you're living your life in God consciousness. Everything we see, everything that happens to us, everything that we're doing suddenly becomes a prayer. We see something beautiful and we say, Lord, thank you. You, you get up in the middle of the night because you have to. And even when you get up in the middle of the night, you're still thanking the Lord or thinking about Him or talking to Him or, or thanking Him for His presence. When you hear sirens, you say, Lord, I don't know what the situation is, but there are sirens going off in my town, and I pray that you show up. When you get fearful thoughts, we tell the Lord about those fearful thoughts. So it's this rhythmic breathing in the presence of God and exhaling. Breathing in, breathing out. That it is in the Spirit at all times. That's this, we're talking about the all times at this moment. It's, it's just this constant way of living that God's presence is always around you. 
And you sense him, you feel him, you're talking to him. When we run into somebody that we don't know, Christ, we, we ask the Lord to soften their heart. That's just that, that natural, rhythmic conversation that we have going on. It's a cadence, a perpetual communing with the Father. And to pray at all times is to be constantly breathing in the consciousness of God, if you want to say it that. A constant connection. Now, to pray in the Spirit is to pray consistent with Jesus' nature. To pray in the Spirit means to pray along with Him, to be in harmony with Him, with His will, to be led of Him. It's like the Spirit is the the orchestrator or the conductor, and He is leading you when you pray to be in union and in harmony with the things that Jesus would ask for. Jesus said in John 14, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And what you are requesting or asking consistent with Jesus, would, would he ask for it? Does it reflect his will? Does it reflect his person? Does it reflect his purposes? Does it reflect his spirit? And if the request is granted to you, is it going to bring glory to God? That is about praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is more about praying what Jesus wants out of the situation and not about authority and power. Praying in the flesh, we pray according to our will. And we pray according to our strength. And we pray according to our power. And we pray according to our agenda. And we pray according to our knowledge. And we pray according to our righteousness. And we pray according to what we think is truth. And usually when we pray, unfortunately we seek comfort first. And we seek convenience And our eyes seem to be focused on physical needs and physical wants instead of spiritual needs and spiritual wants. And that's why we're not supposed to pray in our flesh. We are to pray in the Spirit. It takes us to a whole different dimension, if you want to say it that way. When we pray according to our will, there's no power in it for transformation. If our will's not coming under the authority of Jesus' will, we pray in the Spirit, we pray with spiritual eyes really addressing the more eternal issues, the more weightier issues. So to pray all the time means to pray in the state of God awareness and to always be praying according to the will of the Father, the will of Jesus. And then the second phrase, or the second all is, and with all prayer and supplication. So here's the fill in the blank. Always pray with all kinds of prayer. Always pray with all kinds of prayer, generally and specifically. The, the word for prayer is prosuke. It means that you're praying and talking and, and just conversing with God. One of the things that we teach in our parenting classes, so vital for a strong family, is what we would call mommy-daddy time. Mommy-daddy time means that at the end of the day, mom and dad get together and they sit down and they just generally talk to each other. And that's really what prayer is. It's just this talking. It's, it's not specific. It's just hanging out and talking. It's important for children to see that mom and dad are together and that you have a relationship, and that's why we teach it in our parenting class, because they know if mom and dad are together, their world's together. But if they never see mom and dad talking, they start to wonder. Because every other kid in school seems to be getting divorced, but 
if they don't see mom and dad together and having communion, having this talk, their world gets a little shaky. So that's one of the things we teach, but that's what this word means. It means that you're just talking to God in general. But the second word, supplication, it's a different word that means specific request. So when we pray, we're to have all kinds of prayers, just kind of general prayers like mommy, daddy time, and specific prayer times or specific requests, publicly, privately, loud cries. You know, one of the shortest prayers in Scripture is Peter. You know what it is? Save me. When he got out of the boat and he's sinking, what a beautiful prayer. Concise, to the point, save me. That's a beautiful prayer. Soft, soft whispers, Hannah pouring out her soul before the Lord. She, she was just whispering before the Lord. Silent prayers, Nehemiah before Artaxerxes when he had to go in and talk to the king. Written prayers, Facebook prayers, texting prayers, Twitter prayers. Sitting, kneeling, driving, walking, laying down, running. Hands over face, hands folded, hands raised, hands at side, hands held upward. Eyes open, eyes closed, head bowed, head looking at heaven, head looking straight ahead. In the morning, in the middle of the day, in the evening, in the middle of the night, scheduled, planned, spontaneous, or in a worship service, we are to pray with all kinds of prayers, generally and specifically. Prayers conversing with God and talking with Him about anything. There's three foundations to prayer. You, the Holy Spirit, and the Word. And when we pray, we we use the Word of God to to listen. Uh, We we incorporate the Word of God and the Holy Spirit's leading into our prayer life so that when we pray, suddenly we say something out of our mouth that didn't originate in our heart. It originated in God's heart. But suddenly, because we, we use His words, we suddenly have discernment and clarity and we understand the will of God. Guideline is the only words that we can put in God's mouth are God's words from his word. But if you say, Lord, you are my, I, I don't know if you caught in, in the psalm that we read that God's our strong tower. He, he is mighty to save. His arm is strong. And so we can pray, Lord, you are mighty to save. You are a strong tower. Right now I am dealing with a mess with my mom and, and, and I am and I She's going to move in three weeks, and until then, I'm just pulling my hair out. But Lord, you are my strong tower. You are the one. I don't have to be in control of my mother. You are the one that's in control of my mother. You are the one that is mighty to save. You love her more than I do. Those are all scriptural words. Suddenly, I'm hearing God speak to my heart that I don't have to be in control. I have to love her, but I just I don't have to be in control. And then it goes on to the third all. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And so here's the third fill in the blank. Always pray with all attention. Always pray with all attention. Prayer is to be a watchman on a wall, paying attention to the real issues, to what is really happening, looking out rather than looking in. 
It's spiritual awareness. Do you really know the needs of those that are around you? If a man loses his job, what do you pray for? Instantly we think, well, we just need to pray for another job. But is that the root issue that's going to help the man? Maybe we should be praying to address fear or self-worth or peace or provision or miracles. Or yet, maybe God's asking me to drop by a bag of groceries instead of just praying for another job. Maybe there are deeper issues that are happening at the home than just a man losing his job. Or how about if you have a daughter that's a little flirtatious? Do you just pray, Lord, make her ugly? Is, is that the issue? What's the real issue? Paying attention means that you're really getting down to the nitty-gritty and really praying about the things that are, have, have substance. And so, Lord, would you allow my daughter to know her beauty? Would, would you allow her to know that you love and adore her? Would you allow her to be confident in herself that she doesn't have to be flirtatious? Those are the, the, the real things that you ought to be praying for. Prayer has a dual action. It, it, it changes circumstances, and it also changes us. Because it brings you into conformity under God's will, prompts us to action, it focuses our attention on the real issues, and it gives you discernment, and gives you the faith to ask for the impossible. Or I should say, prayer is the exercise of your faith to ask for the impossible, and faith to act on what you've prayed. Here's the fourth all, making supplication for all the saints. Always to pray for all the saints. When God brings someone across your mind, bam, pray for them. Pray for them. Prayer is relational. We shouldn't be praying out of guilt because love is the motivator for prayer. You know, it's, it's right and it's fine to make request of God, but that's not what our particular text is telling us. It doesn't say when you're in this battle and the pressures are bearing down on you and you need to breathe in the presence of God that you are to pray for yourself. It says that we are to pray for all the saints. And you're included in that. But if everybody is praying for everybody else, everybody gets covered And it happens in such a beautiful way, it brings our hearts, knits them together. We're told to pray for one another. Would you do me a favor? I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone for just a moment. Would you you get out your cell phones? Go ahead. Get get your cell phones out. And if you can, go go to your contacts list. And if you don't have your cell phone, that's okay, because now you have homework. I want you to go to your contacts. Now I want you to pick somebody out of your contacts. And I want you to pray for them right now. I want you to find somebody and send them a message. And that message is a simple deal. Dear Lord, I pray for 
so-and-so right now? And what would you pray for them? Not that they're going to have a nice day, but maybe they, they need a strong tower to run to right now. Maybe, maybe they're in a place of apathy and they, they need a little encouragement. Maybe this prayer has more power in it than you realize. You know, it's good to pray for people. It's better to pray for people and let them know you prayed. Sometimes it's best just to pray with them. I had a prayer request earlier this week about a baby that's turned wrong side in a mother's womb. So you're going to give birth here soon. And this person said, would you pray because the head is not turned right and we need him to turn. And so I just answered this way. Will do. And I could have said, okay, I'll pray. But why not pray right then? Why not breathe in now? Why, why wait? Why, why deny them the the understanding and pleasure and the power of being prayed over. And so I said, Lord, you can turn the heart of a king and you can turn a mighty river. It is nothing for you to turn this boy. We ask that you turn him and prepare him to come into your world. Bless so-and-so with peace and comfort as you turn this little boy. Amen. We have this incredible power, position, privilege to pray for one another. And we're to pray for all the saints. And if you didn't have your phone today, would you go home and write a prayer and a card and mail it to someone? It doesn't have to be long and elaborate. It, It just, Lord, would you strengthen this person? Would you give them hope? Would you give them peace? Would you... Never leave them or forsake them as you have promised. So here's where I need to end with this. Are you you like this beach ball? Are you feeling the, the weight of the world just continue to bear down on you? Because the world will try and succeed in deflating you. If you are not constantly breathing in the presence of God... Satan, his minions, this world, these philosophies, these principalities, they are bearing down pressure. Our society is under great, enormous pressure right now to to stand up and to be a Christian. And they are trying to squeeze the presence of God out of your life. Unless you're breathing in that sweet presence of, of God, that rhythmic prayer life of praying at all times and praying all kinds of prayers and praying with all attention and and praying for all the saints, you will be deflated. And if you get deflated, you'll be defeated. It's just that simple. If you're not praying, you're already defeated. Prayer is so easy, and yet we're scared of it, and we don't have to be. It is something as, as natural as breathing is. But if you choose to inhale 
if you choose to breathe deep, you will stand firm. You will have victory. And, and the greatest thing about prayer is it starts to change you from the inside out. None of us want to be like this, that we're just being squeezed. We, we want to breathe deep that, that presence of God. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you feel the Spirit in your life, and, and maybe you need to just have a come-to-Jesus meeting with Jesus and say, Lord, I, I miss you. I don't know where you're at. And begin again to breathe in the presence of Christ. But you can't do that unless you first have decided to make Him Lord of your life. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for prayer. It's an invitation to rededicate your life or to get refocused and to say, yeah, I've been holding my breath a long time and I need to start breathing in the presence of Christ. And that prayer isn't this official, overinflated thing, but it's just this rhythmic way of living, constantly being in the presence of God. Would you stand with me? Would you sing? I know I asked you to get out your phones and to type a prayer to someone. And I know that some of you were hesitant. Some were being pushed out of their comfort zone. And maybe they didn't want to do it in this crowd. But the challenge is still there for you today. That as you leave this place and God brings someone across your mind, that means the Spirit is talking to you that you would send them a prayer. You're really praying to God, but they suddenly have their hearts touched. And that's what it means to pray for one another. The moment we're coming to a table where you're going to talk to the Lord, and you'll be praying, and you'll be asking Him for that fresh wind, that new breath, that you can pray with rhythm this week. Please receive it.